another episode at home of Screened on the Spot. It's just me and Justin for the moment, um, but we do have a very cool uh, former, not former co-worker of us, but former KSHB uh, staffer who's now in LA making some cool movies coming on and here in a second. Um, Justin, what's new with you? You know, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> Watching, I, I was lamenting to my wife yesterday. I, I've been watching so many horror movies and stuff lately that I feel burned out, and so I have been weird about what to watch. And I've just been watching New Girl again. Yeah, you told me that's like the fourth rewatch for you. Yeah, it's uh, I, we we watched it at the beginning of the pandemic, and now I'm back. Um, but yeah, I did, although I, we did watch the new Borat, and it's hilarious. I so. also watched the new Borat. Um, I, I didn't, I'm not going to use the word hilarious. I, I liked parts of it a lot. Um, specifically like the, just like all the political stuff, but it, yeah, like there's always stuff that makes me just squeamish in those movies sure. that I'm just like, Ugh, like, I don't, I don't want to watch that. I don't, yeah. it, it felt, I don't know, maybe like that kind of humor for me was like done. Like I, I, 15 years ago it was fine, but I don't know. I was just kind of over some of those scenes that he, he had in there. See, I was more not ready to laugh at the political climate we're in. I was just like not in the mood for that. Like, I feel like things are so touchy and bad that I was like, I don't know. But then, I, but then I ended up really enjoying it and laughing a lot, especially as it went on. Like I remember the first 30 minutes or so, my wife and I weren't laughing very much and I was a little concerned, but it, but it got funnier. Plus the like scripted stuff I thought was really good his relationship with his daughter and yeah. her performance rate and, you know. Yeah, she was, how, I don't know how they do that. I mean, and I come from improv background, but like I sure. I would not be able to <laughs> keep a straight face in some of those situations. Oh, it's very gutsy too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, it's definitely worth a watch, but I like, yeah, the part at the, the like uh, debutante ball, just, I was yeah. like, Ugh. oh my God, your child <laughs> yeah. is back there getting into things. Elliot. She's around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are, we started Fargo season, uh, season four, the Kansas City one. It's slow. It was slow to get into and I'm really enjoying it now though. So we're thinking. That's awesome. I I haven't started it. um, Although I've only seen season one and and then half of season two, but I I need to, I need to take the time to go finish it. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're watching right now. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I told you I'm really enjoying The Boys. Um, that's kind yeah. of like all I really want to be watching right now. But um, Ryan and I didn't start watching that together. So it's like we're watching the shows together. And it's like, well, now it's already too late. I can't just watch the show on my own. I need to go to bed. So. Sure. <laughs> it's going very slowly. And that's all yeah. I want to do is watch The Boys. <laughs> That's great. I love the boys, and season two is 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 good. I think I preferred season one, but season two's got some has some crazy stuff in there. It's, mm-hmm. it's really well done. Um, yeah, Trial of the Chicago Seven. I guess oh, we, we haven't talked about. And that was great. Um, really, that was that. great. I'm. I was. I actually texted you after I watched that, and I said it wasn't long enough. Like I, I could have watched yeah. that for another hour, even though it was a pretty long movie. It was like two. I want to say a little more than two hours. But. I, I ended up rewatching half of it. Um, not long after, just just decided I was like indecisive about what to watch, and I just put it on again, and, and mm-hmm. was you know still really into it. Yeah, it's really good. Another, it's kind of crazy to have to watch that and then go watch Borat. Um, just the differences of Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah, I, he's really turned into 
same kind of with Chris Rock, you know, stand-up comedian. Now he's in Fargo, doing a pretty good job. Like it's it's always interesting to see those guys in serious uh, serious roles as opposed to what they're usually doing, which is comedy stuff. So sure, absolutely. Um, Mandalorian new episode coming out. More Baby Yoda. Very excited. Absolutely, we're gonna try to watch it. We're gonna. I don't know how long the episode is. I know that season one they were never that long, so we're gonna try to fit it in this weekend. Pretty excited. Yeah, as Borat would say, very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Can't talk about a Borat movie without slipping an impression in. Very excited. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely going to be watching some Baby Yoda this weekend. Well, I guess we only get, it's they release it one episode at a time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can't binge it, but hey, very excited for this to come out. So, all right. Other than that, uh, about time for our guest. Justin, give us a little background on uh, Justin who's coming on here in a second. Yeah, Justin is, uh, is a Missouri native um, who has been in L.A. for the last few years uh, producing movies and stuff. Uh, he, was a, he was a producer on t- uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is pretty cool. Um, but most recently uh, produced a film called The Mortuary Collection that is on Shudder, which I, I talked about a little bit in our last episode. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, like I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can watch it on shutter. Um, plus he used to work at KSHB and that's, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, here is our conversation with Justin Ross. Anyway. Okay. Hey everybody. (laughs) Okay. We're here with a very special guest, Justin Ross, Missouri native and producer of the mortuary collection, which is on shutter right now. Hi, Justin. Hi Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, for joining us. Have you podcasted before? <laughs> yes, I have done a few, um, but uh, be gentle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to have you here. So you are from Missouri. Where are you from? I am. Um, I'm from Maryville, uh, up in the northwest corner, uh, home of the Bearcats. And uh I, uh, I grew up there, but I've also spent some time in Kansas City. Um, I lived there for a couple years uh, while I was in the AmeriCorps uh, after college and before film school. Um, and at that time, I actually got a chance to work at KSHB. So yeah, I cool. am a big fan of, uh, <laughs> of the region and you guys. So imagine our excitement when, because uh, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for, gosh, like two years now, Justin, is that right? Yeah, I think so. I feel like I should call you like Justin N. And Justin <laughs> R. So there's no confusion. Justin <laughs> N. And I have, and uh, our other uh, uh, partner in this, Chris, who couldn't make it today. Um, we've been we've been podcasting about movies and television for like two years now, and mm. super excited to hear that there was a former KSHB staff member in LA making movies. And like, how have we not talked to you yet? Like that is. <laughs> That was really, really cool to find out. And uh, um, yeah, we're excited to talk to you about uh, your past, kind of how, how you, what led you out there and uh, what you've been up to. So um, yeah, that's okay. cool that you used to work. Tell us what you used to do at, at 41. <laughs> well, I, I was a production assistant, um, which is the lowest rung on the ladder. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I had a lot of but fun. But still very um, important. Yeah, very important. You know, we, um, we would turn on lights and uh, <laughs> now we, we ran camera, um, sometimes teleprompter, floor direct, uh, you know, a lot of the grunt work that goes into making a TV show. And uh, we got to, I would do that for uh, KSHB's uh, uh, the 41 uh, Action News and then also on 38 The Spot whenever we had shows there. 
so it, it was great. Um, and the people that we had the chance of working with there, um, it was, you know, Gary was there at the time. Um, also, uh, we had Elizabeth Alex when I was there. That kind of dates me. Um, and Mark Clay. Cynthia? Yeah. Yep. Cynthia, she's still there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is. Did you, okay, that's great. Yeah, um, whenever I come home, I, I, I tune in and, uh, um, and see who's still around. I know a lot of people have moved on to other markets and other careers, but, uh, God, it was just a, an an A team there when we were there. Everybody was just so nice and supportive. And, you know, I remember my last uh, broadcast with you guys, like the 10 o'clock, I was floor directing or something. And they surprised me and did a little send off on the air uh, before I went to film school, kind of wishing me luck. So it was, uh, it was great. Just a really nice group of people to work with. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Um, so tell, tell you, so you went to college and then you kind of like, took a break before film school and you started working and doing other things. And where did you go? Yeah. Did you go to film school at? Well, uh, so I went to Northwest. I was again from Maryville and uh, my father was a professor there. And um, I was, it's kind of like a second home to me. So um, they have a broadcasting department there and they're kind enough to let me use all the equipment for things it wasn't intended to be used for, to make really, really bad <laughs> student films. Um, but uh, it was a really great experience up there uh, to be able to just kind of have the freedom to go out and make mistakes and, you know, take some first steps into storytelling um, cinematically. And um, I, I learned a lot and, and made a lot of, uh, again, bad short films. Um, but those uh, short films got me into a really great graduate program for my film school, which was at Florida State University um, and their graduate film conservatory. So uh, baby steps, but uh, I, I love my time at Northwest. And then um, I knew I wanted to take a, uh, a break between uh, undergrad and grad, and I always wanted to uh, do the AmeriCorps. I'd heard about that from some other people. So I went to Kansas City to do that, and uh, wanted to stay busy and out of trouble at night. So um, I, I put my <laughs> broadcasting degree at work uh, to work at uh, KCHP. So that's what brought me over there. That's great. So what, what actually got you uh, interested in doing film in the first place? Um, so, uh, you know, you probably hear this a lot when you interview um, people in the field. And I think we all kind of have our, our stories of, you know, oh, you're, you're, you know, my father got me a, a, a video camera when I was uh, eight or whatever it is. Or, um, you know, I grew up doing this or that. Um, but I think they're all kind of indicative of like a love that was there from the start. Uh, we all, all filmmakers are a little crazy and just kind of our, uh, the stories affect this, I think, a lot greater than the average bear. And, um, you know, uh, I did have an opportunity to grow up in the, uh, the theater at Northwest because my dad's a theater director and my mom's a, a playwright. So storytelling has always kind of been in my blood a little bit in my genes. But, um, you know, I think uh, and I did get a video camera from my dad <laughs> and started making bad movies in high school. Um, you know, but uh, I think it was just always there, like a desire to be able to move people the way that you're moved by when you watch a film or hear a good ghost story or or read a good book. Um, the idea that you can change the way you see uh, reality is intoxicating. And, uh, you know, I think once you kind of get bit by that snake, you, you never look back and you always want to try to work that into what you do with your life. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it was always there. And then I think uh, getting the great opportunity to get raised in a very creative environment was just kind of, that was it. <laughs> and I was stuck and, uh, you know, the die was cast. 
I was going to ask you about your upbringing. Like, with, so were you very into theater? Were you the theater nerd like I was? Um, oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> what, was, what was your house like? I mean, lots of... You know, yeah, of fun. course, yeah. It's like always putting on plays and entertaining each other. Of course. And, uh, you know, my babysitters were, uh, you know, theater students. And, you know, uh, I would... Uh, while my parents would be at work and my dad would be like working on the play he's directing where I'd be out just kind of screwing around in props storage and, you know, <laughs> uh, messing around with old flats and things and kind of letting your imagination go wild. And I think there was kind of a, it wasn't so much uh, the setting as it was like the energy of the space, uh, just kind of being in that zone all the time and being around people that cared about storytelling and, and the, the power it has as much as, uh, uh, you'd like people to care about it. I think I still look for that today and people I collaborate with. And most of the time you find that they have a theater background um, because they, you know, it's so simplistic. It's so true and honest and distilled down to its basic form. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of bells and whistles in theater, obviously. <laughs> uh, you have to use your imagination. You have to suspend your disbelief. And, you know, I think um, at its core, it's just storytelling. And when you strip away all the cool uh, effects and camera work and toys we get to play with in film, um, at its essence, if you have a strong story you're telling, you're communicating with powerful actors, then that is really the whole ballgame. So that kind of um, focus on the bare bones of it and the, the foundation of it and the work ethic I think you get when you uh, come up through theater uh, kind of an all hands on deck, like team approach is always what I work, uh, look for in collaborators. And I think you stack a team with people like that and you can only succeed. Mm -hmm. So do you have like kind of a favorite part um, about filmmaking? Is it the story, like writing stories? Is it, you know, being behind the camera? Is it, you know, post-production stuff? Yeah, I, I think um, for me as a producer uh, and kind of what I just spoke about, it's, it's the team leadership aspect of it. It's being able to put together a group of people um, that share your beliefs and values and work ethic and care about the product and the director that's kind of at the helm of that product and, and put it, put this team of people together and you go and you kind of attempt to tackle in some cases, a very uh, difficult challenge together. And, it's that process of like going to war with these people that you select and you put together and you hope that they play well together and that they like each other and they're inspired by each other's work. And if you're lucky and um, you do it long enough, so you kind of don't have to take a lot of chances on the people that you know, uh, then you can assemble some amazing people to tackle those challenges together. And that's just, I think the thing that gets me the most excited about um, what I get to do, which is help, put that team together and try to nurture a healthy creative environment where people can collaborate and feel like they can fail and take the big risks. And, and then hopefully if everything goes well, at the end of the day, they're very proud of what they accomplished together. Um, and they can look back on that experience very fondly. And, and um, you know, uh, that's, for me, that's kind of the, uh, the most exciting thing. And, you know, if, if you make a good product, uh, that's the end result of, I think, a healthy, fun collaboration with people that um, are all in it for the right reason. Very cool. What's the uh, first job you got out there whenever you like actually in the business? 
Sure. So uh, in film school, you're lucky enough to be trained. Well, at least the program I went to, um, you're lucky enough to be trained in, in many different things. Uh, and Florida State valued us learning uh, all the grunt work on set, all the way up to the very top positions. And um, we, uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed being a grip, uh, strangely enough, in, in, uh, at Florida State, just kind of getting dirty and, and running with heavy equipment throughout the day and getting sunburned and, you know, all that. And so uh, I was kind of one of those adventures. Maybe that goes back to the theater background again, <laughs> like just getting physically drained at the end of the day, as well as mentally drained uh, in the service of telling a story was really attractive to me. So when I first came out, I kind of wanted to have some of those adventures and I got a chance to do that. I was able to um, uh, freelance as a grip and electric for a while and uh, met a lot of great people that I still work with today. Um, so I got to do that for probably a good year and got some good war stories and almost died a couple times and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, was able to, uh, I think get my head around, uh, the process on a larger scale, um, and understand how, you know, you go from shooting films on your own in Missouri with like two people to grad school where you have a team of maybe like a dozen, if you're lucky to, um, out here where you grow to like 30 people and then. 50 people. And then like the largest set I've been on has had like a couple hundred people. Um, and there's a little bit of learning curve there too. So being able to kind of see how sets were run, um, the good and the bad from the position of someone who's kind of a fly on the wall running around with a C stand um, was I think pretty informative uh, because, you know, uh, when, when you're, you're making the decisions that impact the whole team, uh, I think it's really important to put yourself in the shoes of everybody like a grip to a PA to you know, the craft service person and try to understand, like, if you're forcing a call, what that does to the, you know, the team morale. And, and uh, if you're asking to do a big change in a lighting setup and, and swap a, a part of your schedule, you kind of want to understand like what that really means and uh, uh, factor that into the equation. So, yeah, that was my first job running around with C stands in the middle of the night on low budget movies. <laughs> So what was the transition to producing like and kind of like talk about like your day-to-day -day work? Sure. So um, we, uh, my directing partner, myself, Ryan, uh, who did the Mortuary Collection, uh, we had always wanted to um, do, obviously we, I, uh, let me back up just a little bit. We met in grad school. And so we started to uh, work together right away. We just kind of, uh, hit it off. We had the same, I think, work ethic and approach to storytelling. And we like the same kind of movies and things like that. And, and strangely enough, um, there's a, a pretty diverse group of people that go out and make films with different priorities and um, different styles. And uh, we could tell that we kind of had the same uh, attitude toward and approach to how we, we do it right off the bat. In fact, he, um, I, the first time I met him, I, I pulled up, I had an old Pathfinder and I had a big rack on the top, like a roof rack that I could haul equipment around, you know, when you're, you don't have a grip truck. And I pulled up to meet everybody um, for the first time in our graduate program. There are 24 people. And in the parking lot, there was another big SUV with a rack on the top. I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> and that was him. So uh, we hit it off right away. And I produced all of his shorts films more or less down there. And then when we came out here, uh, we kept, I kept trying to do the same thing uh, as well as much as I could um, because he's just, you know, the most talented director out here that I know. Um, but more importantly, he's like the nicest guy to work with. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you kill yourself doing these things. You want to be with good people when you do them. And uh, otherwise, you know, what's the point? So um, 
I knew I always wanted to produce for him. And so while I was helping other people and producing smaller projects and, and being like uh, a smaller producer on larger projects, I kept trying to navigate back to an opportunity uh, to get his uh, career going as a feature director. He, we had made short films that got a lot of attention on the festival circuit and, uh, you know, he got an agent and a manager and he did, uh, you know, all the meetings around town. Everybody loved his work, but there was kind of a little, uh, there's a wall before, uh, you make your first feature and, uh, you know, until you kind of climb over that wall, you're not really trusted, uh, with, uh, you know, the reins of the feature film. And so we're like, Oh my God, I love your short film. It blew up. You guys killed it. You won all the festivals and everything. We're like, yeah, well, here's our, our script. You know, we'd like to make this, this other movie. And they're like, yeah, it's great. How about you do our movie instead? <laughs> and it's usually, you know, not necessarily a great script and, you know, uh, but it, it, it took a while, but um, we, uh, and again, I was able to produce some other things. I, I was, I got to be an associate producer on Texas Chainsaw 3D and learned a lot on that um, under uh, kind of a mentor of mine, Carl Mazacone, who is the main producer. Uh, but um, I kept coming back trying to get back into the independent world to produce for real uh, with the people that I like. And so um, when it came time to really, really push this project forward, um, at the time I was on the project and Ryan decided, you know, we're striking out around town. No one's financing this feature, the mortuary collection. Mm -hmm. And um but what we can do is we can make another short that's literally a part of the mortuary collection and um, use that as an exact, you know, uh, test to show people this is what this is going to be. This is a tone. This is a style. And this is what we can pull off with the budget that we're asking for. Uh, or in the case of a, uh, what we raised in a very, very small budget. So um, he got together with one of our other producers, Ben Hethcote, and they put together a Kickstarter campaign. And uh, I got back into town just in time for the last couple days of that. And we ended up raising uh, about $60,000 to go shoot a short. And that short is called The Babysitter Murders. Mm -hmm. And that is a piece of the mortuary collection. It's the last segment that you'll see when you watch the film. And so we took that and then we had the script again. And we went around town. And um, this is like four years after we initially were trying to pitch this around town. So some people had seen the script or heard of us or heard of the idea. And um, after, again, we struck out with almost everybody, one individual called and, and she was at another company at the time. And she's like, you know, I really like this. And even though my company passed, um, I think I could get us scrap, scrap together the money to go make it. And uh, uh, we're like, really? She's like, yeah. And so uh, we heard that a lot from a lot of people, but she actually pulled it off. And that was Alison Friedman. And uh, she came on board as our other producer. So she brought the money to the table and we went off and we tackled it. And that um, we went basically from 10 years ago, we had, Ryan had the idea. We started trying to shop it around town to six years ago, we made the babysitter murders as a proof of concept to like three years ago, we started shooting the, the main film and now we're here. So it's been a long road, but I guess finally I'm getting to um, wear the full producer hat with people that I like. Um, and it just, yeah, that's you know, a long story, but that's kind of how I got to where I am. That's great. It's kind of a classic, uh, you know, Hollywood story, which is like, uh, nobody wanted to do this. And then you got one person that came along and, and yeah. you know, came to that for you. That's, that's awesome. So where do you, uh, gosh, if you had the idea 10 years ago, do you know where the idea came from or at least when you are, uh, why you knew that it would be something special for you guys to do? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, it comes from, uh, Ryan and I both love anthologies and, um, I think it goes back to kind of, again, the essence of storytelling is, is, is really on display in anthologies because you tell a good story and then you're gone. And then you tell a new story the next week or whatever it might be. And then you're gone. And there has been a resistance around town, um, in, in, uh, the entertainment business to, not do anthologies because once you tell a story and you hopefully stick your landing, uh, people can come back. But if you tell a bad story um, or you have one flop, there's no like connective tissue to get people coming back. There's not a main character you tune into every week that you want to see what happens with this person. You know, Um, it's Ross going to get with Rachel, you know, there's none of that with anthologies. Um, So that's kind of your safety net that you build with a TV show over time. Um, which is this, these through lines that will keep people coming, even if you have an off episode, but you have one or two bad anthology episodes and people may never come back. And I think, you know, uh, I understand it, but for the longest time that pushed people away from embracing the anthology uh, setup. And I think it's probably because it, it's so risky and it is just the challenge of telling a new story every single week that stands on its own and can have like the impact on the audience that will keep them coming back there's a lot of pressure there. And as filmmakers and storytellers, Ryan and I both really respect that from Twilight Zone to Tales of a Crypt and such. And um, to be able to just focus on repping that muscle of storytelling and telling a good one every week. Um, and then having the audience be engaged enough, just in trusting you guys' ability to tell a good story is really, really cool. And, and, and we love that challenge. So we grew up on stuff like that. And um, as like the best film and television uh, yeah film television that we've seen and so we always wanted to do that um it's also something that i know meant a great deal to ryan i think like creep show is kind of his uh one of his favorite movies and you know the idea of this when horror was fun and not just um maybe shock value or brutal or whatever it is um you know a lot of his influences are guys like sam raimi and such so and peter jackson and you know, so that kind of flavor and tone hasn't really been embraced uh, in recent years either. And so um, the love of anthology is based with, uh, tied together with that tone and style that is kind of underutilized, really pulled him to that script. And I know, um, again, he was, he blew up around town. He was able to meet with a lot of people, but everybody wanted him to do their project. And you know, at a certain point, he just kind of got a little frustrated. He's like, well, I tell you what, I'm just going to make, I'm going to write the script I really, really, really want to do if I don't even have to think about any other formula or equation of, you know, uh, fitting in a certain box for requirements that would get us the money. I'm just going to write the thing I want to write. And that's where the mortuary collection came out of. It's just pure and simple, exactly what he would do if he had the opportunity to do it. And um, thank God someone said yes. (laughs) Well, then I want to ask about, uh, how you guys got Clancy Brown involved. I know, I know he's not like the most famous of actors, but he's kind of an icon in his own right. I, I'm a big Highlander fan. And he, <laughs> uh, between that and then, I think I've told this story before, but he's in uh, Pet Cemetery 2, and there's a scene where he's like looking at somebody oh, yeah. sleeping through their window. And because of that, I can't have my <laughs> bed against a window. Like, he specifically. Oh, we all have yeah. that one thing where it's yeah. like, I can't oh, yeah. here or I can't fall asleep because of this. Cause as a kid, of we course. and it totally terrified us. I have several of those. <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> but I blame Clancy Brown specifically for this one, uh, but he's really great love at to hear that. as the, uh, as the mortician who's kind of telling these stories. So uh, how, how did he get involved in, 
and how was it? Sure. Like? Well, we with when it came to casting, we there were a lot of different ideas thrown out about how to embrace this type of iconic storyteller and you know who should it be should it be like someone with strong comedic roots should it be someone that's a big name in in the tv world should it be like you know there are a lot of different brainstorming sessions we had and um ultimately uh clancy was someone that was always in discussion and it came for us it, it, it it honestly when we looked at his work and we looked at at the iconic roles that he had in the past, but things like Pet Cemetery, it's that's what made him rise really quickly to the top of the list. We did our due diligence, and we and we really tried to wrap our head around the different options of what different people could bring to this character. And at the end of the day, Clancy Brown just is everything you want this uh, iconic uh, storyteller to be. You know, he's got this strong, booming voice. He's got the respect of a very, very established character actor that can transform himself into these iconic roles that still give us nightmares to this day. But, um, you know, you look at things like Pet Cemetery, and then you look at things uh, like Shawshank Redemption and Starship Troopers, and he just transforms himself into these roles. And, you know, we knew if we were lucky enough to have him that he would just kill the role of Montgomery Dark. He would just embody it. And um, yeah, we were, it's, the first time you put on the makeup and started testing it out at, at Amalgamated Dynamics, you could just tell he was starting to transform into the character. And um, so, yeah, he, we knew he would kill it and he did. Uh, and we were really, really lucky to have him. And then on top of that, he was just the best to work with. He was such a nice guy. He, he went out of his way to uh, make sure everyone was comfortable and, 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 you know, push uh, his, his colleagues to, you know, engage and to, to have fun with the roles as well. And I think you can see that on screen, both his uh, love for the character, his professionalism, and also, you know, that he was just having fun with what he did. So, um, yeah, he was great to have. And uh, we we're really, really lucky uh, to, get to, to get to feature him like this. Awesome. So, Justin, do you want to continue making stuff in the horror genre, or do you guys know what you're going to be working on, or do you know what you're going to be working on next? I don't know if you'll still partner with your same friend. Yeah, sure. Well, like I said, my whole goal is to get to work with people that um, that I love working with, and um, you know, it sounds kind of silly, but um, that's ultimately the most important thing to me. And so, we had a great time doing this, and and I think uh, uh, with a little luck, it's it's uh, it should be able to be a good showpiece of what. Uh, Ryan Spindell and myself can create. So yeah, we, we've got some other projects that we're about to take out and um, hopefully we'll have uh, uh, some luck setting those up and we can continue to do things like the Mortuary Collection. Um, uh, another film I just produced, which uh, is out on the film festival circuit right now, is called The Old Ways. And uh, that was done with some friends of ours uh, at Soapbox Films. And it's a, uh, it's a fun contained thriller horror uh, about a bruja which is pretty cool. So look for that um, probably next year, early to mid next year, I'd say. Um, but uh, that's something else that's been keeping me busy. But yeah, I think uh, when it comes to the next collaboration with, with Ryan, uh, that's, that's a, a top priority of mine. And, and we're just now starting to have those conversations. So it's exciting. Uh, people have really loved the Mortuary Collection and um, it's, it's heartwarming to see. And I think that uh, with a little luck, it's going to give us some momentum we need to continue to do stuff like this. Um, real quick, I want to go back because you were mentioning the short film that you guys did that got a lot of love at festivals. Which one was uh -huh. 
Well, we made a few. Um, the first film that really blew up out of graduate school is called Kirksdale, and you can see that online. And if uh, you check it out, and if you're a fan of the Mortuary Collection, you can actually find some pretty cool Easter eggs in there um, related to Kirksdale. Uh, but then uh, the film that got um, this one kind of moving was called The Babysitter Murders. And um, unfortunately, you can't see that online because it's literally part of the feature film. We plug and play that right into um, the feature itself, which was great. Um, but uh, there is uh, there's one part of that which is missing, which we had to eliminate because of uh, the way that the feature flows together. And that's the um, a cool sequence at the very end of that short. So um, on the Blu-ray and on iTunes, the download and all that that's coming out, it will be part of the special feature. So you can kind of see the full babysitter murder short as it was originally made and what kind of um, people fell in love with on the film festival circuit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And again, uh, made for a small budget, but just with uh, a lot of help from friends and, and a lot of love. And I think it's, it's gratifying to see that even though we had a much larger budget for the feature, it's still small, all things considered, but much larger than $60,000. Uh, for a lot of people, they still think the babysitter murders is their favorite. And uh, so it's, it's, it's good to see. That's awesome. Justin Nussler. <laughs> yeah, I want to just ask about Shudder and how, and, um, and when did Shudder get involved and decide to put that out for you guys? Sure. So um, we premiered the film uh, down at Fantastic Fest last year. And um, that was uh, just a wonderful experience because we love those guys. They had, um, they played the babysitter murders and uh, that honestly allowed the relationships we started building there uh, built up um, the awareness necessary to not only make the mortuary collection, uh, but to help get it set up with a great outfit like Shutter. Um, it got us the great reviews. It got their attention, and yada yada yada. Um, but uh, XYZ um, uh, Films, which is uh, you know a really great outfit out here, and, and UTA both represented um, our film, and so uh, they ended up kind of pushing. Um, and, and doing all the strategic stuff behind the scenes to make sure it got in uh, the right people's inbox. And then um, at the time, we had uh, a good amount of interest from different people, uh, different entities that uh, wanted to take the film and, and move it forward. But when it came to Shudder, Ryan and I were already fans. And um, we, we love like their mission of trying to uh, you know, bring some obscure stuff, some international stuff, and then some classic stuff um, to people's living rooms to give us more nightmares. But then they started picking up some really cool projects and shepherding them to where they could find the audience that, that would love them. And so um, while there are some larger uh, platforms out there, Shutter is more of a boutique. And uh, we really, really enjoy the idea of being with people that are in love with the genre and understand the genre and can champion it and, and display it the right way. And so, um, you know, it's a little bit of a leap of faith. Anytime you you hand over your baby that you've been working on for six, 10 years, whatever it is to someone else to say, okay, it's done now. You do whatever you want with it. Um, and I think that was a little scary for everybody involved, but that our trust was um, completely rewarded because these guys were great and they, uh, they killed themselves to make sure that um, everyone was able to see it. And uh, the platform is hosting it excellently. And it was, it's, it's really cool to see what they did with the project. And, we, uh, so yeah, we're really happy with Shudder and, and hopefully we'll get to work with them in the future too. That's awesome. Okay, uh, well, 
moment of truth. We want to ask you your top five favorite movies. I got to ask though, did you warn him that we were going to ask him yes. about the top five? Okay, so you had some. I've been warned. You I've been warned. Be warned. I, Otherwise, yeah. there's no way to come up with them on the spot. So, you know, I think everybody could come up with their number one on the spot, especially in oh, the business that people ask all the time, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, five is a, it, it's kind of a tall order because, you know, if you're like, like me, you love a lot of movies and it's hard to narrow it down. But, uh, the, my caveat would be that it will change. It constantly changes. Sure, so course. this, you know, tomorrow I could have a different idea, but, <laughs> uh, right now, um, my top five would have to be, I'm going to start off with the abyss. If you guys have seen exactly. that, I love that. Yeah, of course. I think it's streaming on prime right now too. So, oh Yeah. It's fascinating how many people are even Cameron fans and they haven't seen it or they haven't heard of it or whatever it is. It missed their radar. It was a strange release back in the day. I don't know. But sure. that's just uh, a hidden gem that I Is that 80, 80, what year did that come out? It's late 80s, early 90s. 89? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. definitely I one like I need is. to revisit because I probably haven't seen it since, I don't know, oh like my, God. my teens. Sarah, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. That's the best part of the list, right? I have seen it. I remember liking it, but it's definitely one that I haven't seen for a while. (laughs) Well, it's dark and it's magical and it's, you know, that's all the stuff that I think. um, Very cold and creepy. You'll see in there. Cold and creepy. And from a producing standpoint, they built this giant thing underwater. Apparently it still exists. You can scuba dive to it. Um, Yeah, it's like this epic undertaking, which is terrifying and dangerous and a big challenge. And again, that gets me excited. So, so wait, yes, it's on a studio somewhere or is it like actually? No, like, I feel like I heard it was in South Carolina or something. They found like an area or a tank that they could build this thing in. It's massive. And wow. they build underwater vehicles and things from scratch. Yeah. I mean, it has to sustain life. <laughs> it isn't like... You know, a flat that you bump into and it falls over. You know, they had to build things that actually could keep people alive underwater. And I know at times there was some scary stuff that happened on that set because they were attempting this massive challenge to tell a story that was underwater for almost all of it. So, yeah, that's scary. Love the Abyss. You should check it out if you like horror movies and thrillers and, you know, magical realism and all that. Um, Back to the Future has to make a list, of course, because... <laughs> you know, it's Zemeckis and it's unbelievable. And I think it's often something that, you know, you put on if you want to realign yourself. Maybe you've seen a couple bad movies recently or you've read some bad scripts or whatever it is. And you just watch that and it is the the touchstone for what is perfect storytelling and perfect execution on all fronts. So yeah, a palate cleanser. 35 years, is that what it was? They just had the anniversary. Yeah, Uh, that's right. That's right. They're doing the promotion right now. And Yeah. um, yeah, it's great. And one of my grip years uh, as an electric, I almost uh, died on the Universal Backlot, just like uh, Doc Brown, uh, plugging in a light <laughs> that shocked me and threw me back right below the clock, clock tower. So This is one uh, of the horror stories that you mentioned earlier about almost dying. Yeah, that's dying. one of the reasons why I almost died. Yeah, exactly. But I, I came to and I looked up and I'm like, I got it. This oh, you actually ironic. like passed out? It threw me back pretty far. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was, I had no business plugging in that light. I was still pretty green, but, um, you know, I hot struck it on accident and, uh, knocked me back. It was, it was like a 20 K. Uh, and, uh, yeah, anyway. So yes. Smoking? This is what I'm picturing, like your head smoking. Like- I, my hair's already a little big. Anyone who knows me. So I, I, it was hard to tell if it was standing up a little more, but, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it definitely put the fear of God into me. And, and, uh, yeah. So back to the future. Absolutely. Uh, the Big Lebowski has to go on there, and it's one of those movies that the older I get and the more time I spend in L.A., 
the more it just is like a love letter to the city and yeah. to weird people that live here. And I'm in love with those people in the city too. So uh, I think it's something that has grown on me more and more and more every time I watch it. I just, it, you sit there and then you realize you've been smiling for the whole movie. You're like, whoa, like, how did that happen? <laughs> so, I'm, uh, uh, I'm getting caught up on Fargo season four right now. Yeah. Um, I, know it's, I mean, Cohen Brothers, like just. Oh my God. Perfect storytellers as well. Classic. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's good to, it's good to soak that in, you know, um, and keep that, that stuff in mind. Cause it's, it's difficult, but there's also a lot of things about it that are just, you know, they're just focused on the right things, you know? Uh, it's not complex. It's just distilling things down to stuff that matters. I feel, so, like, I feel like the Coen brothers are, they're filmmakers that I didn't appreciate until I'm starting to now. Like, mm, I always yeah. like the movies, but now that I'm re-watching them as I'm older, I just, right. I love them even more than I did before right right right, right. I just, absolutely like, i just couldn't appreciate it when i was like i don't really know what this is about like i was <laughs> following yeah. some other movies and, and now that i'm rewatching uh -huh. them and um yeah absolutely i appreciate them a lot more now absolutely um uh next one i'm gonna say is the burbs uh have you guys <laughs> seen the burbs no, i just watched it for the first time oh my god oh god another one of those that slips by people's radar and i want to make well, sure well my husband's a big film buff too and he's like you never seen oh, the yeah. burbs i was like no <laughs> I, why would i have seen the burbs so we watched Good it for like him a few months ago and i was like okay, yeah this is weird <laughs> again perfect execution uh joe dante is a god among filmmakers and um i think that's again the tone that is absolutely what we try to do um, with the Mortuary Collection, which is fun, yeah. eerie horror. Um, uh, that's a sweet spot for storytelling, I think. And that's the epitome of that kind of tone. So Joe Dante killed that. And of course, amazing cast, you know, Tom Hanks, et cetera. If you haven't seen it, go see that. And uh, the number one on my list, I'm gonna say as of today, is The Goonies. Um, <laughs> but oh, while my list fluctuates from time to time, The Goonies is always number one for me. And um, that's, uh, uh, again, storytelling, magical realism, a little bit of that. Uh, I think it, it's it's a good, a good solid thing that I think everybody should soak up once or twice in their life and, and remind themselves about the ventures you can have with people. And uh, and what's funny is we got to shoot the Mortuary Collection, half of it in Astoria, Oregon, where they shot the Goonies. Oh, great! Um, so we lived up there for a couple months and um, just got to know and fall in love with the community, and and we made a lot of good friends. And so. We had, uh, we were using like an old armory there to build some of our sets. We shot um, the Flavel house, which is where the, the mortuary is. Uh, you can see in the back of the Goonies, this is big old mansion in town. And, um, you know, like the town high schoolers came out and helped paint our sets. And, you know, town was the extras and the classic car club came out and they were the cars you see in the movie. And this, there's a lot of Astoria in uh, the mortuary collection. And so it was a real uh, privilege to get to shoot in the same town that the Goonies uh, utilize as well. That's really cool. That is cool. Look for the house in the- Look nice for the house. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you'd ever come back and film in anything in Missouri? We'd, I mean, I know that oh, I'd love to. aren't like totally there, but that'd be very cool. No, I mean, you grow up somewhere, you soak up, that's your reference of storytelling. And those are, that's the settings that are in the back of your mind whenever you brainstorm things. And of course, uh, that's a big goal of mine is to come back into town. And there's a lot of great filmmaking going on in Kansas City right now. Um, I was able to, I've been talking with a couple of the local filmmakers there that are just destroying it. They're making great movies. And um, I guess there was always a community there, but now it's really starting to come into its yeah. own. And, that means that you know you have equipment and you have talented crews that can handle all this. And um, 
then you have these locations that are underutilized. No one's ever seen it before. We shoot movies out here in LA and people have seen the same locations over and over again. You just don't know it, but it feels a little stale. And um, that was one of the benefits of going to Astoria for us where, where it was shot a couple times back in the day um, with movies like The Goonies or Short Circuit or Kindergarten Cop. Short it kind of has this idea. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. It's a beautiful town. Um, but in Kansas City, not a lot of people have seen Kansas City or know the areas that like, you know, when you live there a little bit, you grow up there, you kind of uh, inspire you. And same with St. Joe. St. Joseph, Missouri is, is beautiful and, and, and has its own character. And the Maryville itself and the surrounding communities of, you know, farmland and, and some abandoned buildings and main streets and things, I think are just, they still inspire me to today. So, uh, yeah, I'd love nothing more than to find a good story to come back and, and tell it um, in, uh, in all the glory that we can in the Midwest, because why not, right? Yeah. Well, Justin, thanks so much yeah. for coming on. This was great. Justin and it was my pleasure. Yeah, we look forward to seeing what you guys do next. Yeah, thanks. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate the plug. And um, I hope you guys dig the Mortuary Collection. And if anybody checks it out and uh, wants, to, wants to talk to us afterwards, just you can tweet at us or, or hashtag the Mortuary Collection, and it usually gets our attention. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I hope you guys like the film. For sure. Thank you very much. It was really nice meeting you and hopefully we'll get to chat with you again. We'd like to bring on some of the same guests over and over again. Like, so if you, <laughs> well, if you like talking about movies, especially um, our friend Chris is a huge horror film too. Oh, great. So um, yeah, Can't wait if you just want to get on and chat about stuff. Um, we'd love to have you back. Well, let's do it. It's fun. You guys, uh, you guys are great hosts. So <laughs> Any excuse, I'm happy to do it. And, and thanks for uh, thanks for including me. This is great. Go KSHB. <laughs> <laughs>